0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
1: Do you have aspirations to be a leader in your business or organization? Welcome to Leadership Stars with your host, Linda Patton. Each week, we feature true leaders, recognized in their fields, who provide insight and ideas in creating a strong team, and how you can become an effective leader. Now, here is Linda Patton.
2: Welcome, and today, it's so good to have you here. I have one of my more unique guests, someone who does something that's very different from anyone I've ever had on the show and really anyone that I know. She has this playfulness and this creativity that has moved her into creating engaged and high-performing, happy teams, um, which, as she says, takes leadership and strategy. And it also takes a very interesting methodology that she uses. Um, She also is a community mediator and has been since 2001, But she really wanted, as I said, something that would draw on her playfulness and her creativity. So I'd like to welcome Talia Dashau to our show today. Talia, welcome. Thank you so much. And Talia, I just I'd like to just tell the audience just a little bit about you discovered Legos Serious Player, which you say is a methodology um, around 2013. Now. I didn't play with Legos when I was a kid. I think I'm too old to have done that. But we did play with Legos with the kids. And, I, you know, it, it's it's a great way to get spatial references and to understand proportion and this kind of thing. But how does that work with teams? Yeah, it's a totally, totally different um,
3: way of using the Legos. Uh, my son loves Legos, and he builds a lot of spaceships. But when mm-hmm. we use the Legos with the Lego Series Play, we're building ideas and metaphors and uh, concepts out of the, the Legos. So it's a much different kind of process.
2: Okay. Um, and I know one of the things that you have also told me is that your mission is to change how people work together, that you want to make the the group, the workspace, safer for everyone to participate fully in every group every time and I love this quote because having a seat at the table is not the same as having an equal voice can you tell the audience more about that and then how that links with Legos absolutely I I
3: see a lot of people in teams not speaking up and there's a lot of really legitimate reasons for people to not speak up because of um, differences in culture or in, uh, men and women being more, uh, often I see men talking over women or stealing their ideas. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why people might not speak up. Uh, maybe the CEO doesn't want to hear any, anything that's wrong. that's (laughs) going, he only wants to hear the things that are going right. Right. Uh, but then you end up missing out on a lot of information, and people feel uh, not valued and so they don't share what they know. And it can really be detrimental to the to the team as a whole. Mm-hmm. With Lego serious play, everybody in the meeting plays with Legos, and everybody talks about what they've built. So because you have to build first, the introverts and the extroverts, end up on a more equal plane and nobody's model matters more than anybody else's so the bosses isn't more important than the secretaries and everybody's uh could only ask questions of the models and not of the people involved so that really makes it a much more safe space for everybody to be able to to speak up
2: okay talia how how do you start with that then uh, I mean, you, they don't just come into a room and there's there's a whole bunch of Legos and you say, go to it. <laughs> <laughs> What's what sort of the ground groundwork that you do with the team so that they feel comfortable doing this? Uh, well, there's
3: often somebody in the group who's never played with Legos. And even people who have played with Legos, it may have been a long time ago. So mm-hmm. we start out with just something fairly simple, like build a tower. And it's always interesting even if I give everybody the same Legos and the same instructions, no two towers ever look alike. Right. And it's really nice to be able to look around and say, this is the diversity of thinking that's available in your team. How are you actually getting access to this diversity of thinking? Mm-hmm. And then from there, we start doing things like telling stories with their models. Can you? Does your tower tell you a story about who you are? And then going on to build something else and tell a story about that. And then one of my favorite exercises letting people build whatever they want and then telling them what, what it was that they built and that they have to tell a story about. <laughs> what you actually <laughs> built was the definition of happiness. Now tell us <laughs> how your model defines happiness. And they are like, oh, um, that uh, uh, okay, here it is. And ah. it's people come up with stories really quickly. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I hear people say often is, I'm not a master builder. I could never do Lego serious play. You don't have to be a master
2: builder. You just have to build a skeleton to hang a story on. Okay. So that, that's, and do you then define what the stories, what the uh, the topic of the story is? You, you said something about, um, you know, how does this define happiness? Um, it, do you do that as part of um, the play piece? Well, this is part of the, one of these, these, uh, Early
3: exercises to help okay. people see how quickly they can build a story around uh, what they've built. Okay, uh, but I only the during the body of the workshop, only the person who builds it can define what it means. Okay. This is just one of the beginning exercises to get you used to telling stories about it.
2: Okay, so you set them up so that they get some experience with it before you actually go into. Um, sort of the team's work and what you were called in to help with? Correct. Okay, all right. So when a, when a leader calls on you and says, Talia, we need you to come in and work with our team, what are some of the initial questions, observations, whatever that you have so that you know how to set up the, I'm going to call it the play session um, in such a way that they're going to get the most out of it?
3: Well, first, I, I, I ask them about what their goal is is, mm-hmm. and and why they're bringing me in. I mean, many times people will say, well, we've done uh, a team building workshop every year, but we've never done Legos. So let's do a Lego serious play team building workshop. And they may just want a chance for people to get to know each other better, in which case we can explore each other who each other you know, explore about each other and each other's mm-hmm. strengths and abilities through the Legos. Other times, it's, I'm brought in when there is a block in communication of some sort or different um, cultures clashing in the workplace. And I actually really love when there are two teams that have been separate and are now trying to be together to okay. help them figure out What were the good parts of their previous corporate cultures, team cultures that they want to hang on to, and how do they merge those into a shared culture that really accommodates everybody?
2: Mm -hmm. So you're talking more along, uh, in that particular case, more along the lines of maybe two companies that have merged. Um, And so you have teams from each of the companies coming together, and now how do we play together?
3: That is definitely on the larger scale how it okay. goes. But sometimes it's even just a reorg in an, a corporation and you'll find out that somebody from one team, the team culture was did things differently. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just enough to cause conflict. Okay. And a lot of these conflicts come, I think, when people have assumptions about how things are supposed to go based on what they're used to. And they don't even realize that these are assumptions until they run up against somebody else's assumptions that aren't the same.
2: Ah yes, and and oftentimes too, it's it's been so long that way that it's just become a habit, and they don't even realize that they're doing it or that they have that assumption or anything else until, as you said, somebody else runs up against it, and you go, "Well, wait a minute, that's how we've always done it. What's wrong with right. that?" Yeah. Right. Very interesting, yeah. Um, Even
3: something so- as basic as, do you have small talk at the beginning of a meeting, or do you just jump right into the content? For one mm-hmm. person, having small talk beforehand is really the polite thing to do, and mm-hmm. you get to know each other a little bit, and you feel like you have more uh, connection and camaraderie that way. And for somebody else, it might be, nope, I'm busy, I want to get into the meat of it and get out of here as fast as possible, and the most polite thing to do is use my time most the most efficiently, and these two people get together and they, they think the other one is impossibly rude all the time.
2: <laughs> oh, yes. I've been in situations like that where <laughs> my, my boss in Southern California was a person who loved to chat. And she loved to tell you everything that had happened to her over the weekend. And this mm-hmm. woman was um, very outrageous um, she was also a gambler, so she spent some time in Las Vegas, and you know she had interesting um, personal commu- uh, relationships. And it's like, okay, I really don't have two hours to sit here and listen to you <laughs> talk about your weekend, uh, but it's what she needed in order to start the week. And so we right. just got to a place of, well, I'll just go into my garden somewhere and you know, meditate while we're <laughs> going through all this. But I can see where that that can, um drive the morale uh, even of the team into the pits that it's like, oh my God, do I have to go in there and listen to XYZ, that small talk, whatever. I just want to, as you said, get in there, get out and go back to work. So how does Lego, how are working with the Lego system help kind of help them see that, see their differences and then work on a, a solution that both of them can accept?
3: I, I like to ask people to build around questions like what gets in the way of being productive at work or what do you need to be productive at work or what do you need to have good communication? What are your needs for this? And, or, or what are the things that you really don't, you really don't want to have there at all. And people can start to build these pieces out of Lego and then, um, when they talk about them, they can see, well, this person really needs a chance to connect with people. And this person really is much more of an introvert and wants to talk to people as little as possible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, you start sort of sorting this out and how, how do we fit this team together in a way that helps get the most efficiency and ability to,
2: to communicate Mm
3: -hmm. together.
2: Talia, do you find that teams need more than one session to really have um, growth in that area? In other words, to a place where they are a fully functioning team?
3: I think it is always better to have ongoing reason to connect with your teammates. Mm -hmm. And often I will even... um, do some separate sessions with the head of the team Mm -hmm. because a lot of the culture comes from the leadership. And if the leader is making, even not meaning to, but making it feel like an unsafe place to uh, be able to speak up, it's not going to change overnight. And Mm -hmm. people are going to need to see some... uh, (laughs) Proof. <laughs> <that> he's not <laughs> going to jump down their throat every time they they speak up. Uh, more than once before they're more willing. they're willing to speak up. So I I will sometimes do some individual coaching with the the team leadership okay. or the organization leadership to help them change the culture overall to make it a, a more uh, inclusive place, mm-hmm. and, and then come back and work with the team again. And it's often a a little, feels more comfortable that second time around.
2: Right. Because they're, they're used to it. They know what's coming. Um, It's not a big surprise. And they also know that there's no wrong, no wrong answer to whatever they're doing. And I think that's really, uh, you know, they come in the first time and then there's that um, hesitation and that anxiety about what are we going to do? Am I going to be good at this? What's the expectation? But after they've done it once, they know what to expect. And it's a whole lot, I I find it, you're right, it's a whole lot easier the second go around and they almost fall right into it. Like, well, when when can we get started? Because I got lots (laughs) I want to say. Yeah. I know I I worked with a team long ago where, and I worked with a system called CARE, which was we had creators, advancers, refiners, and executors. Mm -hmm. And this particular team couldn't figure out why they were so dysfunctional. And it turned out that they had one creator, and that happened to be the boss, they had no advancers, so they had no one who would take their ideas up to senior management and get approval. Um, they had twenty five refiners, <laughs> and they had one executor. And the boss was was terribly frustrated because it would get into refinement and it would never get out. And you know, mm-hmm. so they were running up against deadlines all the time. And the executor sitting there going, "I just want something to do." So the creator decided, I'm just going to skip the refiners. We'll just go straight to execution. Well, things went out half-assed, and you know they weren't quite all pulled together, and there were typos and everything else. The refiners were all frustrated as well. So we literally sat down and, and like you, not the same kind of philosophy, but for them to understand who they were and how they fit in the scheme of the group help them to understand well how can we work together how can i i as a refiner understand what you need mr creator so we can get it to execution it was it was it was fascinating and then we started bringing in new people who were in the advancer category and an executor so that the team was more balanced and could actually uh, make things happen in, in a powerful way so yeah, I, I've been there, and I've I've worked with that, but in a, in a very very different way. And I like what you're doing; it's fun. Um, so these yeah,
3: ways are very complementary. That having that knowledge about whether you're an executor or a creator is very useful, mm-hmm. and being able to build the stories out of Lego can help increase the understanding around that. I don't think they are mutually
2: exclusive. They they can really support each other. The yeah. different methodologies. I think that's fantastic. So one of the things that you say and uh, is that um, that hand brain connection between um, working with the Legos and and having the mind go is also a great way to um, get to personal goal setting. And so, in just a couple of minutes, can you share with us how that works? Yeah.
3: So you know, when you use your right and left hands, you access your right and left hemispheres of the brain. Right. Uh, so. Uh, it turns out that as we developed at, from earlier primates, our hands and our brains evolved in sync with each other. And now they've done studies where if you are using your hands, it'll light up different parts of your brain than you get to from writing or from speaking. So you can actually figure out what it is that you are thinking or feeling or wanting or uh trying to to figure out, you can figure it out by starting to build without your brain necessarily knowing what it is that you're doing and figuring it out as you go.
2: Perfect. And this is a great place for us to take a quick break. And audience, while you're sitting there, think about how different using your left hand is versus your right hand, especially if you're dominant in one or the other. And see how that might connect with different parts of your brain. And we'll be right back.
0: Voice America Women's Channel, a leader in the forward movement of women's success. Linda Patton draws from her four
1: decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at DareToDreamWithLinda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number 2, DreamWithLinda.com.
0: Voice America Women's Channel, a leader in the forward movement of women's success.
1: You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at DareToDreamWithLinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars.
2: Welcome back. I have my very unique guest, Talia Dashow, here on, on the show today. And we've been talking about how to use the Lego serious player methodology to really bring teams together and to understand where their blocks are so that they can begin to work more closely together. It also allows people to hear from everyone in the team, and they get a chance to make up stories that go along with what they've built. And I think this is just a really powerful methodology that you're using, Talia, and I'm so glad that you're here to tell us about it. Thank you so much. So this month's um, theme is around vision and um, strategy. And part of that is because it's the beginning of the year and it's when teams tend to sort of get down to it. You know, they may have talked about it in December that this is something that they need to do at the first part of the year. But I think for the most part, it's, it's the January timeframe when we really sink into what do we want to look like at the end of the year. You know, it might mm-hmm. be sales, people who are here, initiatives that went out, launches that we had, whatever it might be. Um, and then how do we build that strategy to make that happen? And how are we all aligned with that vision so that we're all moving sort of in the same, in, in the same direction? So mm-hmm. how, um, how does group strategy planning work with the Lego system? There's actually, it, it can be
3: really a lot of fun. Um, I usually have people build where the organization is right now. So Ooh. you have people building the um, uh, the brand and the people who are maybe the different departments that they have. And whatever they feel is part of the, uh, the organization. It's not a flowchart. It's not the physical buildings that they're in. It's more of the building, the the pieces of the organization out of Lego, how it, how to represent those pieces and then put them together into a, a model of the organization, like a snapshot of where it is right now. And then build the place that the entities outside of the organization that could affect the organization over the coming year and Mm -hmm. the different um, business trends and the economy and the government and the uh, suppliers and the clients and all, whatever it is, uh, build those and attach them to the main model of the Mm -hmm. organization. And then you can run scenarios through the model and see if it breaks. And the first time I did this, we're all <laughs> holding on to the model saying, "You can't break this. We just spent an entire day building this thing. I'm not going to let you break it." And the person running the organi- the running the workshop said, "Well, you could break the model or you could break the business." Like, oh. Ooh. Okay. We'll break yeah. the model. That's okay. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, it gives you a, a chance to see, you, you know, if our main supplier went bankrupt, what would happen to our business? So what should we do about that? Mm. What would happen if our methodology suddenly became wildly popular? And, oh, we don't have enough people training new facilitators. Mm, maybe we should do something about that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it gives you a, an idea of where the weaknesses are and uh, what you can do right away what you should do long term. It gives you some a really different view of the the business and where its weak points might be.
2: That's fascinating. I know when I long ago used to do problem solving, decision making training. One of the last things we did on a plan um, or even on a, a project we were doing project management, we looked at what could, you know, the key milestones, what could go wrong at those key milestones, and then set about, well, what could cause that to happen? And from that, we put, uh, created um, preventive plans that would prevent those causes from happening, and then contingent actions that, in case it did happen, this is what we could do to to minimize The damage. So it sounds like you're running the same kinds of scenarios, but with the Legos to see where it breaks. I think that's fascinating. It's
3: really interesting how the the (laughs) it breaks right at the the place in the uh, model where it would be affected. Ah. So. Um, Yeah go ahead we did we did one model where it was what would happen if it becomes if this methodology becomes wildly popular and there there weren't enough trainers it broke right at the at the customer part of the yeah. <laughs> of the organization <laughs> right. isn't that interesting
2: yeah and so then do they get a chance to put it back together again with a a plan of well how how can we prevent this from happening or um, how can we have a contingent action in place if it begins to um, go ballistic that we've we've got a way of you know putting in contract trainers or whatever it might be to um, to minimize the the risk? Yeah, at that point, the
3: conversation often goes away from the Legos. Okay. Uh, the, it's the the model has shown where the the weakness is and then it's a chance to discuss in a more uh, business. Like way to figure out how to prevent it and what can be done, but it, it, the the model is to help see where those weaknesses might be.
2: Okay, so Talia, does the the model look like a small city then? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's the models can look all
3: different kinds of ways. It's really interesting. Um, sometimes people will try to reproduce a logo out of Lego. Sometimes they'll create little meeting rooms or they'll have, they'll put up trees to indicate resources. Uh, (laughs) there's, There's just so many different ways of, 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 uh, building the structure underneath the story, uh, it sometimes it looks like a city. Sometimes it looks like a community. Sometimes it looks like a I, like if you didn't weren't there for the building process, you'd have no idea what it was that they had created. Yeah. But it was all really important
2: and meaningful to the people who had created it. Now, do they get to keep the Legos or or do they have to give them back to you? Uh, I, they have to give them back unless they want to buy them. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so do, do I they, do need them for the next group. <laughs> yeah. So do they take pictures of what they've done?
3: Absolutely. Okay. Uh, they take pictures. I take pictures. I try to take a video of people telling the story of the model so that they have a little bit more dynamic view of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I definitely want to leave and I, I always write a report after the workshop to okay to talk about what people have said as well as the, the images that they've made.
2: That, that's so very interesting. Uh, and now, I'm relatively old school, so I did some work up in Washington at one of the uh, telephone companies when we still had the Baby Bell kinds of things. Uh-huh. And that particular organization took all of their major initiatives and created... Um, it was almost like it was on butcher paper, but this long um, paper for each of their major initiatives, and each of the milestones had um, a, a circle, and when it was due, and what it was, and who was on that team, and everything else, and so, and that was hung outside of the cafeteria, and mm-hmm. so, as each of those uh, milestones were completed, they'd put up a picture of the team, or a picture of whatever they'd created, so that Everyone coming into the cafeteria knew exactly where they were and could celebrate with them their successes so far. And if you were on the team, but at a later place in the project, you knew how close they were getting to when you needed to start activity and start looking at, well, what do I need to do? You know, how am I going to do that? And it was such a powerful piece to make. All of their initiatives visible. Everyone knew where every one of them was, and can contribute to it uh, on on a regular basis. And I, I just thought that was great. That's why I asked if you took pictures or whether they got a chance to keep it or whatever, because that visual can be um, such a great motivator um, and inspiration to the team. Yeah,
3: it's also it's there's a, a it really helps memory as well to have both the um, the words and the pictures together. Mm-hmm. Right. It can really Help uh, put things into your memory a lot more solidly. In fact, one of the things that I like about Lego Serious Play um, is that it gives somebody gives people a way to listen with their eyes as well as their ears because they can look at the model while they're listening to what it means, and it, so it gives them that sort of double whammy of, of understanding and and uh, remembering it. Mm-hmm. And it also gives people a chance to hold their story in their model so they don't have to sit there while everyone else is talking and say, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this mm. because people can get really stuck in their own heads and not hear what other people are saying. Exactly. This way they know it's all held in the model. they the whole story that they want to say. Mm-hmm. So it frees up some space in their own heads to be able to listen to what other people are saying and make creative connections between them.
2: So there there are a couple things here that I'm, I'm hearing. One is, um, because of the series, you're actually working with um, visual learners, uh, auditory learners, as well as kinesthetic learners, so that you incorporate all of those in what you're doing. And and so it becomes very powerful because y- you attack each of their um, their gifts. Um, in addition, it, it sort of lets, it doesn't let the, the unconscious make up a different story. You right. Know, um, as as uh, well, I, I don't have siblings, so but I hear that <laughs> at holidays, oftentimes, you know, siblings will get together. And I've seen this with my daughter's um, husband's family. Uh, they come together, and they're having a big family dinner and whatever, and somebody says, do you remember the time that blah happened? And somebody else goes, no, 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 that isn't how it happened. This is how it happened. And each of them has a slightly different memory of that event, and they all think they're right. Absolutely. Memory can be kind of tricky that way. That It can
3: warp over time. And if, and if you have your own perspective coming in, you'll have your own perspective of the situation to begin mm-hmm. with. My brother and I are both convinced that the other one got the lion's share of attention from our parents. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I'm, I'm sh- and I'm sure you're both right. <laughs> in your own mind, in our own minds, yes, yes. So having the pictures and having the stories, the the words that we're told, it it doesn't allow the brain to to make up something different, uh, right? Right. Yeah. And but. we
3: can only ask questions of the models and not of the people who are asking who who are explaining the models. Mm-hmm. So you can ask somebody, is there a significance to the red bricks there at the bottom? And if the person says, no, I just wanted to make it taller and the red bricks were the closest ones to hand, then that's Mm -hmm. the answer. And if the person says, actually, I've got this layer of buried anger in my Mm -hmm. life that I haven't been able to express for a long time, then that's the answer. And it's really the person who is building the model is the only one who's allowed to interpret it. But you're allowed to ask that person uh, what those things mean. But you're not allowed to ask the person, oh, is this about that time that you forgot to do that thing and it got us all in trouble? <laughs> That's not part of the conversation at all. Right. So it can make it a little bit easier to talk about some things that
2: might be a little bit harder to talk about because you're only talking about the models. So, Talia, how do you handle when somebody says, no, I, I put those red bricks to express my anger about something. How do you how do you handle that? How do you... Do you um, that was kind of an extreme example. But <laughs> no, but it, but I'm it, sure
3: it that that comes in the situation. Yeah. Um, sometimes I will ask the group to take a break and go talk to the person individually. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the person has something they want to share with the whole group. Sometimes, um, sometimes it can start a really cathartic conversation where people can start talking about things that they've never talked about before that really need to be said. So it it's it's a that's one of those places where, you know, the facilitator has to be kind of present mm-hmm. and both firm and gentle, <laughs> yeah. compassionate, yeah, yeah. Uh, able,
2: ready to step in, but also ready to let it play out if that's what they need to do. Okay. Um, so let's talk about hearing and about, you know, hearing everyone. Why is it so important to hear from everyone in a situation, uh, in teams? So it's so easy
3: to, for people to uh, feel like their voice doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know the, the statistics. In the American workforce, about a third of Americans are fully engaged at work. About half are merely not engaged at work. And uh, about 17 or 18% are actively sabotaging their organization's so
2: mm-hmm.
3: getting people's voices heard is critical <laughs> to, for <laughs> getting the changing those numbers so that people are more engaged at work. If you don't feel like what you have to say matters, like nobody's going to listen to you if you say, hey, I see a problem over here, you're not going to say anything, but then you're also not going to be engaged and you're not going to help make things better and you're not going to... Um, put in that little extra effort that could make a difference. And maybe you're going to start sabotaging things if it gets too bad. So you, it's really important to get everybody uh, to, to feel engaged and valued and part of the, you know, part of the the um, mission and, and uh, excitement of whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. mm
2: mm-hmm. I, I think that's, so very true. I've seen teams where something goes wrong and, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out how did this happen? You know, wh- why didn't we know this? And somebody in the group says, well, I knew it. I just didn't mm-hmm. say anything because I knew none of you would ever listen to me about Absolutely. this. And, Absolutely. And I think uh, the, in, in a couple of minutes, you want to give one sort of final piece on that? Yeah. I was just going to say that a lot of leaders
3: don't want to hear about things that are going wrong. Mm-hmm. A lot of leaders end up, or or their uh, the people, their subordinates don't want to tell them when things are going <laughs> wrong. Because if, it's often the case that leaders can be kind of harsh about this, and it's mm-hmm. your fault, and go fix it, and uh, you're going to be demoted. And, you know, it, there's a lot of Blame and shame and uh, harshness around this. So, no one wants to bring up the fact that there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, or they'll only listen to certain people and not to other people. And so those, they're like, well, I'm not even going to try. Why even bother? Yeah, exactly. So, it's really important for the people at the top to be able to make space to hear when things are not going well and to not blame the messenger and to uh, be open to say, okay, here's an opportunity to do something different. How how can we use, see this as an
2: opportunity and not as a mistake? And I think this is so critical. Uh, what, you're, what you're saying is that oftentimes the leaders are using what I call command, you will mm-hmm. do this, and and I don't want to I don't want to hear anything different, um, rather than being influential. And as as you said, in including and in, and encouraging people to bring the problems to them. But I always say, but bring at least one solution with you. And on that <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, audience, if you think of it, a situation where you've tried to bring something to a boss and haven't gotten anywhere, or you've been the boss and all of a sudden you feel isolated and alone because your people aren't coming to you with challenges, perhaps you're using your command voice more often than your influential leadership. And we'll be right back.
0: The Voice America Women's Channel.
1: Let leadership expert Linda Patton be your guide to uncovering the leader that lives within you and that you are meant to be. Through her signature training programs and workshops, Linda takes you every step of the way to help you tap into your personal leadership power, design a clear vision, build a loyal, effective team, and create a practical plan to make your dream come true. Get started now by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at DareToDreamWithLinda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, DreamWithLinda.com. Have you become a member
0: yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
1: you.
0: Voice America Women. Your passion starts here.
1: You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call one 866 613 1612 That's one 866 613 1612 you may also send an email to Linda at DareToDreamWithLinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars.
2: Welcome back. And I have just one of the most stunning guests that I've had on the show, and that's Talia Dashow. She, I, I love the fact that we've been able to play as well as. You tap into her creativity about how she works with teams and how she brings them in alignment so that they can work successfully together and, and have a successful vision at the end of the year. Um, we've been talking about hearing. And uh, Talia, I long ago was told, um, you know, you have two ears and one mouth, use them in proportion. Yes. And, and I know it's, it's, it's difficult oftentimes for people to hear um, they can listen, but they may not be hearing what the other person is, is saying. And I, and so that whole active listening piece, I think, is has become very, very important. Um, although I find that the younger um, people tend to text. Um, and I know <laughs> I've told this story before, but I was sitting in a restaurant and a, there was a couple next to us looked like they were having a romantic dinner and they're both on their phones. And I realized yeah. that they were texting each other. <laughs> and it's like, okay, uh, can we not have a conversation here? And they were not comfortable having a a, a vocal conversation. They were much more comfortable, you know, texting and and mm-hmm. dealing with each other that way. So mm-hmm. let's let's sort of step back into the team piece. Why is it so difficult to hear from everyone?
3: Well. A lot is what you just said, that it's hard to hear from, I mean, people, it's easier to hear from people who are like you or who mm-hmm. you like yeah. than people who you don't like or don't, aren't as familiar with. And it's hard to speak up sometimes as well, that uh, certainly there, I had, was working with one team where the person who was in charge was a young Asian woman, and there was an older white man who was sort of waiting to be told what to do, but she kept deferring to him because her cultural background said, you know, the senior members of the team are the ones like the older members of the team are the ones you should be, should be listening to. And she didn't feel at all comfortable telling him what to do. Mm -hmm. And he kept saying, well, you're, you're the leader. You, you tell me what to do. And and so there was a lot of trouble there getting, um, her comfortable with, uh, that leadership role and, and breaking out of her own cultural background. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's things like, I I heard that during the Obama administration that some of the women on his um, support team found that men were taking credit for what they Mm. said. So the women started supporting each other by saying, well, what Susan said was a really important point. What she said was. And so naming her, giving her credit for it and repeating the point so that the point gets heard and not lost and not claimed by somebody else. So there are definitely ways of helping people support each other to get their voices heard. But sometimes it's hard.
2: Well, and I think you're running with the Asian woman who is running in the team. She's running into two things. Not only is she running into cultural challenges, but she's also running into gender heritage challenges where we do defer to the man. um, Yes. That, you know, it's... It's how we were raised was to be supportive and to be behind the scenes and to um, not raise your hand. Uh, you had to be perfect. You had to know 100% of what you were going to step into in that new job. And then you kept wondering why why the men were always promoted before you. You know, that didn't make any sense. But it's how we were raised. Um, yeah. And so she's fighting both of those. She's fighting the cultural of the, the, the Japanese culture as well as her gender heritage. Um, Definitely. So, yeah, so that, that can be really difficult. So what can the group do to increase that, uh, one, that people will speak up? Yeah, well, first, that people will speak up and two, that you'll hear them. I think that it's helpful
3: to start Small (laughs) uh, (laughs) to set up some situations where you're very explicitly saying in this situation, there is no right or wrong. We're going to do something that's just playful together so that Mm -hmm. people can practice speaking up when the stakes are low Mm -hmm. because it's not going to be easy to speak up when it feels like your job is on the line. Right. But if you're just doing something that's kind of playful and kind of fun, it's going to be easier to speak up. And the advantage of this is that it also strengthens the creativity muscle. That, mm-hmm. So when you're trying to come up with creative solutions to complex problems, as we tend to have to do, right. if we've had a chance to play these games during um, our day, then it also helps us uh, come up with those more creative new ideas as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Would you like an example? Yes, I would love one. Thank you. That was the next question. <laughs> <laughs> you just knew. Yes. <laughs> I, I,
3: yes. Usually people do <laughs> want to know. Yeah. Um, so there's one game that I like to play where I will get people to, like, ask four different people to give me four random words, totally random words out of the audience and uh, audience uh, group, whatever it is that we're, whatever type of group we're working with, the team. Mm-hmm. And those, um, those uh, words have never been put together before. They've, there's no right or wrong answer because nobody has ever thought about putting these words together before. Uh, but what I ask them to do is say, one of these things is not like the others. Which uh-huh. one is it and Why? Okay. And when when uh, Sesame Street does this, they give you something fairly simple, like an apple, an orange, a banana, and a bicycle. So you can pretty much tell which one doesn't belong. Right. But when you have inchworm and thunder and uh, uh, happiness and I don't know, you know, then these are never. There's not an obvious one that is. an odd one out, But any right. of them could be. And there's a, an infinite number of ways that you can just uh, determine which one would be out and why. Mm-hmm. So then I ask people to to speak up. There's no right or wrong answer. Do you know, well, there's all right, no wrong answer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I should yes. say Um but it's just a chance to, to practice your creativity, practice speaking up, um, and
2: just makes it just a, like a fun situation to get to get to practice this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that that's fascinating. And and you're right. It, it gives people in a in a safe location to speak up and to say things and to challenge others, perhaps, um, and that kind of thing. So that wow. Uh, now my question, I guess, is, you come in, and you do your thing, and mm-hmm. the team is is functioning really, really, really well. How do they sustain that? I usually recommend having me come back again
3: every <laughs> so often to do a little tune up. But it's not always going to be um, an option to do that. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just not going to be uh, within the the realm of possible. So I think doing this kind of creativity games or games where people can practice doing doing fun things together can really help – And this is the whole point of doing team building in the first place. It can really help build relationships between people Mm -hmm. and help give people support in the workplace. And, you know, if you are able to do this cross departments, it Mm -hmm. can be really helpful. I know that if I know somebody over in accounting and I have an accounting problem, I can go to that person and it will probably get solved a lot faster than if I have to just go to a random person I don't know and they don't know me and it goes on the bottom of their list of things to do. So being able to m- make these um, connections across departments as well as within your own department can really help uh, strengthen the relationships and help people feel more comfortable with each other and help people feel more comfortable showing up as their full selves.
2: Yeah, and I, I do love the fact that you would come in um, on a regular basis for tune-ups because I think that's really important until it becomes, it becomes a habit. This is just how we work. Right. And then they may need you for some big hairy challenge that they've had. Like, you know, again, they've merged with another company and it, it's two teams and they're, you know, it's like the National Football League. You know, they just want to <laughs> kind of run into each other uh, right. and to have you come in and work work there. But, yeah, I I think that's it's great that, that they can be tuned tuned up uh, on a regular basis. And then once, the, it, as I said, it becomes a habit, then... You know they can call for you know big things or gee something minor happened and I don't remember what to do and that kind of thing so that's awesome but eventually right. they they hopefully can do it themselves yeah that is the hope yes yes maybe they'll even buy their own Legos who knows <laughs> uh, so Talia you have a free gift for our audience would you share with us just a little bit about it sure.
3: Uh, I have a short quiz Mm -hmm. to help people assess where your team is and how well your team is functioning right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you submit the results of the quiz, I will send out some creativity games that you can try playing with your team to see if you can help make your team work together even better. And I'd like to offer a 30-minute complimentary session with me after Yay. you've filled out the the quiz to see uh-huh. if you uh, would if i can help get any more clarity within that 30 minutes around how your team is functioning and see um, if there's anything i can
2: do to support you that sounds fabulous so audience you really need to go to the website um, which is at www.darethenumber2dreamwithlinda.com and go into our media section and that Will be in our list of free gifts from the wonderful guests that we've had so far. So Talia, thank you so very much for offering that to our listeners. So as we're wrapping up, as we're wrapping up, um, could you give the audience at least two tips that they might be able to actually do today that will move them forward in being able to hear people better and to have some fun in their work life? Um, creativity games are one, one thing you can do
3: in a sort of a group way to mm-hmm. help uh, make the space safer. I think that people at all levels, it helps if you're a leader, but even people who are not leaders can uh, make meetings safer by mm-hmm. noticing when people are uh, speaking up when they don't right. usually and appreciating that. Or uh, make, trying to make space feel a little bit safer to speak up in, uh, appreciating people when they're being brave, uh, giving them credit for their ideas, just really help make space feel comfortable for people to show up in. Mm-hmm. And um, really quickly, one of the things that I've learned about uh, making yourself feel more confident and more able to speak up in any situation Mm-hmm. Is that there's a uh, in the same way that there's a hand brain connection, there's a brain body connection, Ooh. and so holding your body in a more confident position can make you feel more confident. Mm-hmm. It's it goes both ways. If you feel confident, you hold yourself one way, and if you uh, if you hold yourself that way, then you feel more confident. It's a it's a feedback loop. So uh-huh. just standing up and stretching and holding yourself big can make a big difference.
2: I know it works with bears, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure it could work with your boss. Uh, Absolutely. I, uh, the one thing that you you mentioned and I, I you sort of mentioned it in that first tip, but I I really wrote this down and I went I th- I think this is so positive. The the wo- women who were on, on Obama's team who said, you know, Susan said and I so agree with what she said, um the naming of the person who had that idea. I think yeah. that is so powerful. Um, And in essence, not letting people get away with, uh, oh, that was my idea, when in truth, it definitely wasn't. Yes. Yeah. I think that's just really, really important. So, Talia, thank you so very much for being on the show today. You've given us some, some creative and playful ways to really bring our teams together and to set strategy and vision for this year. Thank you again so much. And audience, if you'd like to know more about The Art of Herding Cats as well as how to grow a movement um, and really be powerful out there and really change the reality of the world, please connect with me at wwwdarethenumber 2 dreamwithlindacom And until next time, be courageous and dare to lead. See you then.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Stars.